Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And in today's episode, we are kicking off our first series of season two, Revisiting Romance. Back in February, when we first launched Read It or List It, we explored the romance genre for the first time. But we've learned a lot more and read a lot more since then. Yeah, I feel like when we first started the podcast, we were relatively new to the romance genre. And so we hadn't really developed our individual tastes, our favorite authors. And I don't think we had a good understanding of how vast the romance genre is. From contemporary romance to Regency romance, there's just really something for everyone in all the different subgenres. Um, and I think that we've really honed in on what we look for in romance novels now. Yeah, I definitely think that I was a little bit more like reserved or shy when it came to reading romance. Like I think I remember the first time I read a romance book or the book that had like, I guess would be considered more of a romance book and being like, whoa, that Mm -hmm. was a shift. Um, Before we get into our um, our refresh of some of the romance uh, terminology and a little bit about the genre, what are you reading? Like, how's your week been? What's going on? Tell me everything. Um, I'm still reading Red, White, and Royal Blue. I hope to finish it uh, today. That's like my goal. We'll see. I'm loving it. I knew I was going to love it. That makes oh me my so God. happy. Red, White, and Royal Blue holds a very special place in my heart because it was the very first advanced reader copy I ever received. I wanted it really, really badly, and I didn't know like how any of that worked. And for some reason, the publisher took a chance on me and gave me a copy. Um, and then my second one was American Royals, and those are obviously... Still to this day. Two of my very favorite books. I'm so excited that you're reading it. I want Phoebe, I love them. I love them. Aren't they so great? Oh my god. Like I I don't often seek out fan art when I'm reading books, except for like obviously I've done that with fantasy, specifically Sarah J. Mass. This is the first contemporary romance where I've been like I need to like see the like I have a visual of them in my head but like I need to see somebody that like is actually talented that can like put pen to paper and show me what they look like and like mm-hmm. in like reenact these scenes. So I haven't reread it but I can like still vividly remember lines and scenes and like how what I was feeling and like where I was when I was reading it. I'm currently reading Bringing Down the Duke. Which I believe I promised that I would read in our last romance series. So I think so. I think getting it done. Um, it's a great, like, cozy book for fall. Like, the weather oh, has really? already turned up here. Um, yeah, it like takes place at like, like in December. So oh. it's like December in England, like big estates, like horseback riding. Like, it is like a very um, appropriate fall read which I was surprised by um and I just finished the flat share on audio as well which is another romance like a backlist romance yeah um and as a that's a fan favorite and I definitely was left like I loved certain moments of it and I loved some of the discussions that uh were we talked a lot in our our last series on romance on how romance is a genre that 
is very obviously closely related to our real lives because with love being mm-hmm. the center. Um, so it takes a lot of chances with what it can incorporate into the, it's not just a love story, you know, like right. obviously the love story is the central plot point. Um, but like, and I think we it, talked about this in our interview with, uh, Jasmine Guillory about this idea that like romance is not separate from everything else in our lives. Like that right. m- romance novels can and should incorporate every aspect of our day-to-day lives. Yeah. So The Flat Drive by Beth O'Leary incorporates a lot about um, like past trauma in relationships and mm. um, dealing with like an emotionally abusive partner. And it's not second chance romance in the sense that it's people who have met previously and were not together for an amount of time and then get together again. Um, but I sort of felt like it was second chance romance in the sense that like Leon, his mother uh, had a lot of like, like she went back to a lot of abusive partners. So he was like raised, not really trusting. Um, he didn't have a good male role model basically yeah. for how to be in a relationship. And then Tiffy, the female protagonist, um, is in an emotionally abusive relationship, uh, but she doesn't know. And so she right. kind of has like her friends uh, talking to her and then she gets to discover this whole past basically that she was kind of not necessarily blind to, but I think was protecting herself from realizing. So it definitely was not what I was expecting. Um, so I liked that it took those chances, but I don't know if I loved it or not. You know? Yeah, yeah. I still want to read it. I, so I just finished The Switch also, which I think I mentioned in the last episode. Um, and I definitely liked it, but there were there were parts of it that I didn't, oh, I didn't love. So I still want to give The Flatcher a chance because I've also heard like, I've heard really, you know, great things about it. And it's definitely like a favorite. And I feel like it would be good on audio. Was it good on audio? Did you have that? It was. Yeah. Um, it actually was produced really well because, um, well, number one, we've got the British accents, and so there's separate narrators for Leon and Tiffy, and there's a lot of phone calls that happen in it. And oh, they, she did that in the Switch, too. Like, you can tell yeah. it's on the phone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, like, especially, like, coming from, like, my background, like, it's a really unique detail that I think makes the production value of listening to it on audio really fun. Yeah, agreed. Completely agree. Um, and um, other news... Um, I don't really know what to call John's new hobby of um, making jam. Ooh. <laughs> he disappeared for like 20 minutes and I didn't know where he went. And he, I was, he came back inside. He was outside. He came back inside. I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, harvesting. <laughs> and he was, he was picking the figs off of our fig tree and harvesting them to make jam. I wish you could see my face right now. This is just another example that John and Nick would be very, very good friends. <laughs> so he came in with this little bowl of figs and he went through them all and made sure that like, you know, because there were no bugs or anything in them and got them all ready. And he was like, I need exactly 30 figs to make the jam. So then he had to go back outside until he had exactly 30. And now our house smells like jam in the making. I'm just thinking of Fig Newtons. Well, then he said, because I put on the grocery list, fig, not Fig Newtons, but I like the, um. there's these new fig bars that I 
so like are allegedly more healthy than fig newtons um that i've been getting at like costco and i put them on the grocery list and he's like well we can just make our own now we have a fig tree and i was like we can we we can but that's a lot of effort for like i think what would produce two fig bars that's what I tell Nick all the time. Like, I love – so Nick is Italian, and we obviously grew these incredible tomatoes um, that have survived the move. Oh, I already um, know. What, I already know what you're about to say. So, of course, I make sauce. Like, yeah, I'm of course. all about it. Um, but since it's just the two of us, I'm like, I'm not doing this every Sunday. Um, he's like, but it's so great. Uh, so we're like we may, we're gonna make a bunch and like freeze it for the winter, obviously. But I'm like we also can, you know. Sometimes it's okay to just buy it from the store. Sometimes, very much, especially if you're getting Rayo's pasta sauce. That to me <gasps> tastes the closest to homemade. I always thought it was Rao. Am I wrong? Oh, you're probably right. I don't know. Uh. If you're listening to the today's episode, please let us know if it's Rao or Rao, R-A-O sauce, the best sauce it's that you can best. buy. It really is it the really best. Is. But speaking of sauce, see what I did there? Saucy? Yeah, Let's get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to romance. Uh, I feel like I want to insert like a like Tom Haverford style sound effect there that's like, <laughs> let's revisit some of the terminology that we first covered in our original romance series, introduction to romance series, which is available wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this episode, go back to season one, episode one, the first full length episode that we've got. We go through like all the terminology. Um, And Mm -hmm. so we're just going to do like a quick little refresher here. We have open door romances and closed door romances, which obviously are relating to how sexually explicit um, scenes get. Open door is basically what you can gather from that. You know what is going on um, in a sex scene or in an intimate moment. Um, And closed door is more of like a fade to black kind of moment um, where we know that the characters are going to be intimate, um, but we are not there experiencing it with them. Right. And there's a lot of variations between that um, in terms of like how open the door is basically or how, you know, like so sometimes uh, like foreplay will be – on the page and then it will be fade to black sometimes it's just like the entire like scene is completely off the page um and then yeah so there's just kind of variations and i i think that that's kind of where i honestly think my tastes have shifted a lot in the romance i think when i first started reading it i was very much like i was more comfortable with the closed door romance and then the more that i have read them um the more like open I am to the open door romance and I'm I've been loving I don't know if it's just my obsession with Talia Hibbert or what but I have been like really enjoying books that like give us that look especially because I feel like an open door romance is a great opportunity for authors to incorporate consent language language Mm -hmm. of consent I also agree that I I think, and I, I think we mentioned this in the first series that um, 
I like I felt like to me I was like oh a romance novel is Fifty Shades of Grey like that was yeah like, I think the first time I ever experienced um like sexual relations like written about in such an explicit way and I was always like oh no no I'm not that I'm not into that but now I don't know if it's that I'm older or I've read more um but I think that for me, it always has been about the character authenticity. That's something mm-hmm. that I include in all my reviews um, because, you know, there are the, there are like Hallmark style romances. Like there are books that are immediately turned into Hallmark original movies that are definitely closed door and there's nothing wrong with those. But I feel like sometimes we miss the the I, the the authenticity not to overuse a word but, like um, the 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 part of the story that like the build up to the romance and like the idea that this is like a compatible relationship and that it makes sense and it make like that you could see yeah. these characters be together in yeah, that way it, in their relationship etc it's i don't know and it's just like so dang fun to read um especially I know we're so we talk about a lot about tropes that are in the romance genre so stuff like enemies to lovers and friends to lovers or second chance romance all of these I like forced proximity formulas yeah like forced proximity forced proximity love triangles (laughs) like all this kind of stuff that you can throw in there there's there's more like specific ones that I think and I don't know if it's necessarily a trope I think it I think it would still be classified as a trope but like certain scenes that are in books like a one bed scene yeah there there's like a there's almost a formula to romance and personally I feel like when you have a book that follows like a formula or is more formulaic in what the readers expect out of it when you do it well and you've presented like a great like a story that keeps you engaged the entire time that seems to me that requires so much more talent and thought and like just sheer ability than reading a a book that's like a one-off that's like completely unique in form or substance or whatever because a romance reader knows what to expect and if you can continually like make them happy and surprise Mm -hmm. them you've done an amazing job so I I absolutely like I would put romance as one of my favorite genres now because I just have learned so much about the craft yeah I definitely like I crave romance novels now um I definitely get into like I think I'm definitely on a romance like binge right now um because it's just like I don't know there's just something about it that um they're they're unput downable like if you get a really good romance which we're gonna talk so about so many that we read over the summer and into the fall um in our pitch episode obviously but there's just like they you you fall in love with the characters as they're falling in love with each other and you just Mm -hmm. like have to know what happens um and obviously when like a book is marketed as enemies to lovers or second chance romance we know that the characters are going to end up together. I really think this is something I don't know if we covered it in our first series, but I really want to talk about how romance novels, I, f- I think reading in general can be very therapeutic and 
can be great for your mental health. And I think that's a lot of the reason why we are readers. I think specifically the romance genre for me, definitely it hits that sweet spot that I absolutely need because of the happily ever after or the happy for now. Like, because you know, no matter what difficult, like no matter what happens over the course of the novel, these two characters are going to end up together at the end. And there is something so calming and like, like uh, grounding for me to know that when I'm reading a book, to know how it ends, but like not actually know how it ends, but but know that like the the tension or the conflict or whatever will be resolved by the end of the novel in this way where it ends in love. And that for me has been something that when I have been very stressed out or just feeling like a heightened level of, of anxiousness in the past few months – having romance has been the one thing that has kept me off edge I guess or has kept me grounded yeah one of the questions I get all the time on Instagram and on my blog is like how do you get out of a reading rut or how do you get into reading more and I nine times out of ten will always suggest a right now it's mainly contemporary romance because I think that that is I think contemporary romance is like having a moment in publishing right now mm-hmm. um it's like all of like the um like illustrated co- covers that we see mm-hmm. um i that's what i always suggest to people and even people who don't necessarily like think that they would enjoy romance i think that contemporary romance especially is a great like bridging like a provides a really good bridge into like further into the genre and that's kind of like what we have realized since our last series on romance is that there's a whole like this genre is vast and I really think that there's something for everyone within it if even if it's YA romance um or contemporary romance or you know the traditional mass market paperback romance novels that have those covers on them that you're like walking through the grocery store and you're like oh hello and I think that that's something that we still knew to the genre and I think now we're like starting to look at those mass mark paperbacks and consider like them and and read them a little bit more and like learn more about them yeah right like historic a lot of a lot of like historical romance re- regency romances um, there's just so much in this genre, so many subgenres, and there's just like, I don't think that we have even hit the surface on what this genre has to offer, yeah. um, which is the reason why it's a follow-up episode, because there's just so much to talk about. And there's so many great books that are coming out right now that have come out, um, but we really wanted to focus on some backlist titles, um, meaning ones that have not been recently published, um, so that maybe if you want to read along with us, these will be available in your library, or if you have Hoopla or Overdrive, any apps that are attached to your library card where you can get your audiobooks or ebooks delivered directly to your phone. Just because obviously right now, like things are still up in the air if people are able to get books um in their hands when they want them so Mm -hmm. if you've listened to read it or list it before you know that in every series we have review episodes so in this follow-up romance series we are going to be reading a backlist mass market romance novel um, and we hope that you'll want to read along with us 
Phoebe and I have decided to read and review the first book in the Reluctant Royals series by Alyssa Cole, A Princess in Theory. So it's a royal romance. It was originally published in 2018. Um, I checked. It's at my independent bookstore. It's available at um, most online book retailers. And it is available in my library. And I hope that um, should be available in most libraries. Um, So obviously we know I love a royal romance. So I'm very excited. (laughs) Um, And if you've heard Alyssa Cole's name a lot recently, she actually just released her first thriller um, called No One Is Watching that I'm really, really excited to read because it's about um, gentrification in Brooklyn which is something that I think that people don't really know much about and something that I'm really passionate about educating people on. Um, So we hope that you'll read along with us as we revisit romance in this series. Um, If you pick up A Princess in Theory, let us know. There is so much to this genre, and we hope that even if you don't think romance is your thing, you'll at least find a greater appreciation for it. Yeah, and we'll make sure to let you know on the Rated or Listed podcast Instagram when when the review episode will be coming out so that you can have the book read ahead of time if you want to, et cetera, and, and maybe posting some like fun updates as Phoebe and I read it. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and stop by today's Instagram post at read it or list it pod with your thoughts on today's episode. You can also stop by our websites, www.readandwrite.com and www.shelfloveboookblog.com for links to any of the books we mentioned in today's episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.